You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a fresh edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Monday. Yes, we're coming to you on a Monday, November 7th, Monday afternoon. As you finish up the first day of your work week, you got a fresh Sports Media Mayhem podcast in the bag. Uh, so how about that? Now you must be thinking, wow, what extraordinary circumstances uh, prompted me to record an edition of the show on a Monday? Well, it's because I think we just witnessed one of the worst, if not the worst, PR debacles in modern Boston sports history. And that's really the theme of today's show. Sports teams getting themselves into unnecessary PR nightmares. Last week, we spent some time talking about the Nets and their reported decision to hire Ime Udoka, who the Celtics, of course, suspended for one year. And then over the weekend, we learned that, quote-unquote, strong voices, whoever they are, are urging the Nets to not move forward with the Udoka signing. So it all ties in nicely here. And then coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to speak with John Guilfoyle, who is a PR crisis expert. He's head of J&G PR based out of Georgetown, Mass. They specialize in government and crisis work. John Guilfoyle will come on and talk about this Mitchell Miller signing from a PR perspective and just how the Bruins blew this in every single way they possibly could. And if he were with the Bruins, how John Guilfoyle would advise them to move forward now. Because this, as I said, a complete debacle, a complete disaster. And for a lot of stories, there are two sides, shades of gray, but there's none of that here. The Boston Bruins just had one of the worst 72 hours a sports organization could ever withstand. And again, the craziest thing is this was all self-inflicted. I'm sure you know by now, but in case you don't, a brief synopsis of the story. Mitchell Miller, hockey prospect, the Arizona Coyotes, drafted him in the fourth round of the 2020 NHL draft. He was also on North Dakota State's hockey team as well. Uh, But then the Arizona Republic came out with a report a few days later after the Coyotes had drafted Miller that he ruthlessly bullied and tormented a black classmate with developmental disabilities for years and years. And shortly after, the Arizona Republic came out with this story, the Coyotes cut Miller and North Dakota State cut Miller from its hockey team as well. So the incident that garnered the most headlines was the lead of this Arizona Republic story, but Miller's tormenting of this classmate of his goes well beyond just this one incident, but this is the incident that actually got him in front of a juvenile court in Ohio, where they grew up around a, around Akron, uh, around Toledo, rather. Um, so this was the big incident. Miller was 14 years old. He admitted in an Ohio juvenile court that he bullied this classmate, Isaiah Meyer Crothers, who was tricked into licking a candy push pop 
that Miller and another boy had wiped in a bathroom urinal. Meyer Crothers had to be tested for hepatitis, HIV, and other STIs, but the tests came back negative, according to a police report. Now, as I said, that's one of the most heinous things you could ever hear, forcing a kid to lick a candy push pop that you put along a urinal. Vile, vile, animalistic type behavior. But just saying that this was one incident, as heinous as an incident is, is actually giving Mitchell Miller too much credit because this was not just one incident. This happened continuously for years and years and years. Miles Crother and his mother told the Arizona Republic this bullying happened throughout most of his childhood, with Mitchell Miller constantly calling him brownie, the N-word, go pick cotton for us, all sorts of other horrible racial epithets, all while repeatedly hitting him as well. And by the way, this bullying continued after the juvenile court hearing. So Mitchell Miller didn't stop bullying his black developmentally disabled classmate after he was dragged to juvenile court. No, he continued for a few years after that. So again, just framing this as one incident with the, which the Bruins and their GM, Don Sweeney, tried to do continuously Friday when the signing was announced is just so odious because it's so wrong. And the more you found out about Mitchell Miller, somehow the worst it got. That's what Don Sweeney said, said Friday in just his disastrous meeting with the media. I've come to the understanding that I don't think forgiveness is part of this. Because if that happened to one of my own children, I can't category say that I would have forgiven it. But I would also applaud somebody that uh, if they were willing to, well, but I'd also applaud somebody that if you were willing to welcome somebody back for a second chance, you've got to walk that walk. Kind of jumbled phrasing there. But basically, Don Sweeney is saying, you know, people deserve second chances. And we're giving him a second chance now. And now it's time for him to walk that walk. But the fact of the matter is, Mitchell Miller, at 20 years old, is not deserving of a second chance right now. There was no contrition whatsoever here. How do I know that Mitchell Miller has felt no contrition towards his classmate? Because he's only apologized to the classmate twice. Once via court order. A letter, which he sent to this classmate, again, court-ordered letter, and then he sent Myers Crother a message on Instagram two weeks ago. Yes, Isaiah Myers Crother's mother said on Friday, she spoke with WBZ here in Boston, that Mitchell Miller only contacted her son two weeks ago and apologized via Instagram DM. That is showing no contrition whatsoever, and that shows me that this kid has no remorse at all for his actions, at all. And then Cam Neely spoke Monday. The Bruins released Miller Sunday night. Neely spoke Monday after, by the way, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and other players expressed their displeasure with the signing and their disagreement with the signing and how uncomfortable they were with the signing. Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, 
also said Saturday that it's not even a given that Miller will ever be allowed to play in the NHL. So the Bruins clearly did no research here whatsoever. They did not do their due diligence. They seemingly just slapped this together and rolled it out on Friday. I mean, unbelievable. So Cam Neely on Monday morning when he met with the media acknowledged the Bruins failed. Finally, somebody says the right thing over there. He, re- and as I said, he revealed just how haphazard this process was. Uh, Neely said this, from everything I've heard, he was working on himself, working in programs to better himself. I was under the impression it was a 14-year-old kid who made a really, really bad decision. Again, bad decision, singular. No, this was not just one incident. This was not just one bad decision and did some horrible things. And he's 20 years old now. I was under the impression that he, in the last six years, had done a lot of work on himself. Again, what made Cam Neely think that, given that Mitchell Miller only reached out to his victim on Instagram two weeks ago? No contact with the family, no personal contact with the victim, just a DM on Instagram. And look, I am all in favor of second chances. I don't think something you you did at 14 years old should define you for the rest of your life. I don't think that even in Mitchell Miller's case, acting heinously and horribly and disgustingly throughout your youth and adolescence, that even doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you can't better yourself and move on with your life. And that doesn't mean that you're forever defined by how you acted as a middle schooler, high schooler. But you got to give me more than an apology over Instagram DM. We deal with this all the time at OutSports, where, and that's my other gig, at Moonlight there, Deputy Managing Editor. And we talk about this whenever athletes or sports figures say anti-gay slurs. They say the slur, they get caught, then usually comes the perfunctory apology and my point on that always is, okay, you apologized. That's nice. But then what else are you doing? What are you doing to right this wrong? What are you doing to indicate that you have learned from this episode? What are you doing to try to educate yourself so this doesn't happen again? What are you doing to learn the pain that you've caused this community through your words, through your actions? Mitchell Miller has done absolutely none of that at least that we know of. So what would make Cam Neely think of that? Think that he's working on himself. There's nothing that shows that, at least again, to our knowledge. Cam Neely said the Bruins decided to cut ties with Miller Sunday night based on new information. When asked what the new information was, Neely said the fact that the Bruins never reached out to the family of Meyer Crothers was, quote, concerning to him. And that it was, quote, absolutely a problem with the team's vetting process and internal discipline would be considered here. Man, I'd hope so. I mean, Cam Neely is the president of the Bruins organization. How did he not know that they didn't reach out to the victim's family? Neely revealed on Monday that the Bruins were working on Miller back in August. It is now early to mid-November. What were they doing for these two plus months if they weren't speaking to the victim's family, if they weren't looking into Mitchell Miller and the fact that he hasn't really apologized? I mean, the fact that he apologized two weeks ago on Instagram shows that the Bruins, I think, just said, hey, apologize and let's try to move on here. Yeah, apologies mean mean more than just typing out a few words on Instagram. This is a gross signing. It exposes all the worst aspects of professional sports. 
it's befuddling. I mean, look, teams take on people with awful track records, criminal records in some cases all the time. But it's rare that you have a team do it with a kid like Mitchell Miller, who to call him a player is even is too kind because he is the definition of a project. He is 20 years old. He has not played high-level hockey now for a couple of years. This is a project for the Bruins. Why did they think this was necessary? What a complete debacle. And the more the Bruins try to explain themselves, amazingly, the worse they look. The worse they look. So as I mentioned, John Guilfoyle, PR crisis management expert, joins me in a few minutes to break this down further. One of the questions I had on last week's show was Kyrie Irving and what commercial consequences he may face for promoting anti-Semitic material. Well, we got our answer this weekend as well when Nike announced they were cutting ties with Irving. Nike has suspended its relationship with Kyrie Irving. It said in a press release it would not release his new shoe, the Kyrie 8, which was supposed to hit the market tomorrow on Tuesday. Nike has produced Irving's shoe since 2014. Now, sadly, I think the prevailing reason why Nike cut ties with Irving after he promoted an anti-Semitic film on social media and then refused to apologize for nearly a week until the Nets suspended him indefinitely. And then he released an apology on, you guessed it, Instagram, where all of the disingenuous apologies go. I mean, Irving was asked point blank last week when he met with the media, do you think the Holocaust happened? And his response was, I think the Holocaust is an event that affected many people. <laughs> like, if you're going to answer like that, do you think the Holocaust happened? The answer is probably no. Anyway, um, so Nike cut serving this weekend. They're not releasing his new shoe. But the New York Times had it in this story. The company does not disclose exactly how much revenue Mr. Irving's shoes bring in, but it is only a fraction of what the company earns from its ties to other notable stars, especially the basketball great Michael Jordan. So if Kyrie Irving was a bigger moneymaker for Nike, would he still be with them? Sadly, I kind of think so, which is really disgusting. So we'll see what happens from there. We'll also see what happens with the Nets and Ime Udoka, who is still not, has still not been officially introduced as their head coach. We found out Sunday night that Nets owner Joe Tsai is being urged by, quote, strong voices to abort his plan to hire Udoka. And again, what a debacle. The Nets fire Steve Nash last week. They have all this Kyrie nonsense. And then to top it off, they go and bring in a head coach who was suspended one year by his team, the Celtics, days before training camp for an improper relationship with a female subordinate. Again, we still don't know much about this relationship, except that unwanted comments were made. But evidently, it was bad enough for the Celtics to make the unprecedented move of suspending Ime Udoka for one season. And they did this again just a couple days before training camp started. And the Celtics, as you know, were two wins within winning a championship last year with Ime at the helm. So clearly this was not a decision that they made lightly. And yet the Nets, with all of their issues, all of their uncertainty, go, yeah, we're going to totally sell out 
and bring in Ime Udoka because we need this to work with Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Ime has a relationship with Durant and he coached Simmons in Philadelphia. He coached here for a season as well. And he's the best choice to get something out of this mishmash of talent we have. So let's go. But that, of course, ignores the fact that Ime Udoka's status, like Mitchell Miller's in this case, is completely up in the air. We still don't really know what he did, uh, you know, any of the details around that. And the Nets yet brought him aboard. And now here we are about a week later after this, after the hiring was originally announced or reported rather, and we still have no announcement from the team. My prediction is Ime Udoka will not coach a game for the Brooklyn Nets this season, just like Mitchell Miller will not play a game for the Boston Bruins this season or possibly ever in the NHL. These teams, do they have professional PR people on staff? I know they do because they certainly get in touch with us whenever we write something or say something that they don't like. And they certainly know how to you know, run a tight press conference over Zoom. But when it comes to actually doing something that affects the PR of a team, bringing in a head coach accused of sexual misconduct and suspended due to that misconduct, bringing in a bully who forced a developmentally disabled, a black developmentally disabled classmates licking candy pops that were wrapped or, you know, rubbed on urinals, racial epithets. I mean, are there, are there adults working in these organizations or are they only cyborgs who cares about the wins and the losses? It's sickening. It's grotesque. And man, oh man, bad run. Bad run for our favorite sports teams here because all these episodes expose the dark, dark underside of professional sports. Oh, so as I mentioned, crises all over the place. To help us sift through this further, we bring in John Guilfoyle, PR expert uh, from JGPR. That conversation is coming up on the other side. It's a sports media mayhem podcast. Thank you as always for listening. And welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the opening, it's quite rare that we have a sports team, especially a Boston sports team, step in it as much as the Bruins have managed to do so over the last 72 hours. So to help us sift through all of this from a PR perspective, we bring in John Guilfoyle, who's the head of JGPR. They're based in Georgetown, Mast, specializing in government and crisis work. John, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Great, Alex. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no, it's good to get in touch here. So I saw your tweet about the Mitchell Miller signing Sunday night, and you sent out for all of our talk and talk and talk about the major sports teams in Boston. We have to call this what it is, a rare, obvious public relations blunder that created a crisis where there was none before. We see it all the time in the perf- in the corporate world. And before I ask for a couple examples of things that you may find similar to this, That's what I keep going back to with the Bruins. We can talk all about organizational values and all of that, and that's worthy of discussion. But if you just look at it like this, they're off the best start in franchise history, 10-2. and This is a 20-year-old kid anyway who probably wasn't going to help him out this year regardless. They invited this mess for no reason. Why? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great sort of segue into this because, you know, (laughs) people like me can't stand even thinking about this type of stuff because we do sports to get away from work for the most part. And to watch such an obvious public relations mistake um, is, is disheartening because, you know, they are up off to a great start. Uh, Their, their players are playing like you've turned the clock back. Their goalkeeping is, their goaltending is terrific. 
to start the year. You know, it's it's a distraction that I don't think is needed, and it's not lost on me that that they lost the first game after the crisis right. struck. So that that's something the players obviously are affected by. I'm not saying they lost because of this, but certainly you know, that's the first question everyone's asking the players in the dressing room when this is all going on. Yeah, and I, I think there certainly is not a coincidence that they lost the first game after this. This stuff matters. Um, you also tweeted that the Miller signing was truly poisoned by an abysmal statement and poor strategy made trying to preemptively justify the signing. So my question is, what do you mean by that? How did the Bruins make a bad signing even worse by their statement in Don Sweeney's press conference last Friday? You know, we see this all the time. And, you know, the Boston Globe's Bob Holer, another sports reporter, investigative reporter, you know, spent the last couple of years going after school districts that in many cases felt like they were doing the right thing and just really fumbled the transparency, the communications process that is necessary when you do something controversial. Uh, ultimately, we don't know if Mitchell Miller deserves a second chance, and this process will do nothing to it to shed light on that for us. We've learned nothing about Miller's character, how he is as an adult now. We don't really understand why the Bruins did this, and to me, the most glaring example is Don Sweeney talking about his tremendous offensive capabilities. He's a pro talent player. None of that is relevant when you sign a person like Miller. If the Bruins truly, truly wanted to take on a project, and that's what Miller is. He's not a player. He's not a talent. He's not a goal scorer. He's a project, right. and he's a distraction. If they really wanted to take him on as a human, you have to forget about – anything involving sweaters and sticks. You need to sign him if you're even going to go that far. And I would have advised against it. I think it's too complicated and, and not necessary for this team. You know, if you're going to bring him on as an employee, you've got to bring him on as, as, a, as a puck boy, as, as an equipment manager. You've got to bring your beat reporters into this process when you're scouting him. You have to talk to his family, everybody that yeah. was around him as a kid, victim. They didn't talk to the victim or the victim's no. family. You have to bring your beat reporters and your Kevin Paul DuPonts with you before you make any decisions and let the public know, hey, here's a here's a 30 for 30 for you. We've got this project, this ridiculously talented hockey player who may never get to play professionally because – of all of these horrible things he did and he's come to the league and he wants to be judged on on his you know merit or judged on how he is now and what do you think we are we're going to show you him we're going to look at him we're going to talk to him ultimately this kid never should have been promised anything from any team except maybe we'll help you become a better adult and if two or three years from now people are generally convinced yeah, maybe he does get the opportunity to profit off his talents. Listen, in this country, Americans love a good apology. They love a, they, Americans have a hard time kicking a sorry person. So if you come out and you have a true moment of contrition or you truly show that you're committed to bettering yourself and your actions speak louder than your words, people have a really hard time keeping you down right. in this country. The fact of the matter is, well, we may never get that opportunity with Miller because it was rushed. They they put him out there as the next player. We signed him to a multi-year deal. He's very talented, but there was this incident. 
Right. It was hollow. It was a poor effort, and they tried to justify something that they frankly knew was going to cause trouble for them. And I think you nailed on a couple of things. Number one, the framing that this was just one incident was yeah. so disingenuous. This was not one incident. Yes, he was involved in court with one incident, uh, the lollipop yeah. around the urinal, which is disgusting. Yep. But this Horrible. continued for years. And even after uh, when he was 14, it continued, the victim's mother said. And you mentioned in America, we love a good apology. Mitchell Miller did not deliver a good apology. He no, apologized he to this kid via Instagram, John, two weeks ago. So, I mean, there must, there are PR professionals working in the Bruins. If you look at that and go, well, has he apologized? No, he sent a message to this kid two weeks ago on Instagram. Like, what? Yeah. It just shows that there, there remains a lot of work for this young man to do. He's not ready to be brought out here as a hockey player yet. And the Bruins either didn't do their homework or they, they poorly misjudged their brand equity. By trying to say here, you know, trust us. He's going to be great. We're going to do what needs to be done. He's going to put the work in. Don't worry. Uh, people don't take anybody for their word. You have to. You have to show something. And Boston sports fans are are very smart. You know, yeah, sports radio was divided almost 50-50 on this kid on Friday and Saturday, but it began to really turn against him. Um, to, you know, after after the initial shock of uh, oh, he was only fourteen ended, and people began to to see reason. But yeah, the Bruins. And Miller's own quote in the Bruins statement really did, I think, a lot of damage. Number one, as you said, talking about this being one incident when it was clearly a pattern. In fact, bullying by its definition cannot be one incident. Right. So the Bruins knew that. But also in the statement, including Miller's quote, you know, making references to it being seven years ago, you know, back in middle school a long time ago. Uh, time is not the cure for all wounds in this case. You know, you just you just signed a deeply troubled uh, athlete to your roster. And he has a lot to account for still in life before the, the general public. And in fact, before the NHL is right. going to allow him to use his talents to make a living. So they, they didn't do their homework in this case. And Gary Bettman said over the weekend that he's not even sure Mitch Miller will be allowed to play again. So clearly the Bruins didn't even do that homework either. And you mentioned brand equity. I think that's a good point that the Bruins, it seems like more than anything, just misjudged it. Fans are often blind followers of the teams they root for. That's true, but not always. And this is one of those cases and the Bruins totally missed that here. Yeah. We love our teams and we, you know, obviously original six franchise, a really popular franchise, you know, the people in the Bruins organization are generally perceived as good humans um, not just in management but the, in in the in the dressing room you have people like like patrice bergeron you know these are people that are have have good stature good character people that are well liked in the community and you can tell even you know even bergeron didn't appear comfortable no. when asked about this so you know you've really you've really got to do some work when you uh voluntarily take on a crisis or a project as the bruins did here and it just looks like a, a miss in this case, unfortunately. Uh, there have been much worse ones out there. And, you know, we, we've seen some really real terrible things in, in sports. We don't need to go into all of them right now. But you know, as far as it goes, in terms of being a public relations blunder, this certainly ranks up there, at least in recent history, for Boston sports. Yeah, I was going to ask, I know you're a big sports fan. Can you think of anything off the top of your head that maybe considers to this? Yeah, I think the Patriots over the years have brought in some quote unquote uh, uh, character or you know poor yeah. character people. Uh, Albert Hainsworth being an example yeah. where the Patriots really dodged a bullet. I think where you know the, the you know the writing was on the wall for him. You know he had some real episodes 
in his career and and coach bill belichick obviously likes to to have coached uh, mercurial talent uh you know, o, you know ocho cinco who didn't work out but wasn't a character problem in right. in, in boston um you know randy moss obviously who had a lot of uh, issues uh you know on and off the field but ultimately worked out as a as a talent but then you had some like like Hainsworth that ultimately had to be let go quickly um so we we have those examples we're not gonna get into some of the other people that the Patriots have brought in over the years but uh certainly uh we have those examples and even the Patriots brand equity you know, uh, Bill Belichick's equity has been tested through some of those uh, acquisitions over the years so if you were, if the Bruins were bringing in you now, John, John Guilfoyle, uh-oh, we have a crisis. Let's bring them in. Um, how would you advise them on how to move forward and show fans and the people of Boston that they actually do care about this kind of stuff and that Mitchell Miller is not what their organization stands for? Well, ultimately, we'll never really know, will we? I mean, we'll never know if Mitchell Miller, uh, you know, truly was going to realize some degree of potential or, or if the Bruins, I mean, it's possible that the Bruins were the franchise that could have actually rehabilitated his, his humanity, his character, and maybe given him a career. It's, it's callous to think about it in these terms, but when you, when you fumble the public relations, when you, when you make the communications fall by the wayside, you can really ruin the actual effort. You can actually take a good intentioned program or, or practice and poison it by doing bad public relations. Ultimately, the Bruins may have been able to help this kid, you know, evolve in his life and his career, but we'll never know. So at this point, they're doing what they have to do. They're, they're apologizing and they're apologizing at the top. I don't think we've heard from owner Jeremy Jacobs yet no. on this topic, but we've heard from Cam Neely. We've heard from the top uh, hockey operations people as we need to, and they've apologized, which is the right thing to do here. But ultimately the, the debrief, the post-mortem on this will be, um, why do we get ourselves in this situation? The, the answer is, it's not because you went and scouted uh, Mitchell Miller. It's not because you were interested in this person. It's because you you did it wrong and you did not do it with, in a transparent way that invited again your beat reporters your public your right. fans other you know third party oversight to come in and say okay here's a project again i, I said before 30 for 30 style really throw those cards on the table and say here's something we're looking at wow is it going to be an uphill battle for him and let the you know kind of let the natural course go um but right now it's apology mode and that's ultimately what what needs to happen for the Bruins. This is not going to ruin their season. This is not, you know, you're not going to have fans boycotting the Bruins over this. They ultimately, yeah. they ultimately made the right call after making a series of bad calls based on the initial uh, effort put forth. They, they weren't going to be able to keep this kid on their roster. There was no path forward for him. They had unanimous media and a lot of fan backlash against the Bruins. So really they had to turn around in this case. And it's unfortunate because I can, I can see because I've been behind the scenes a lot in my career, I can see what they wanted to do here. They just never put themselves in a spot no. to do it, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think they did, certainly did not help Mitchell Miller either, if that was something that they wanted to do here. Um, John Guilfoyle, thanks so much for the time. Very informative. Thanks, Alex. Take care.